0: We seem to have a Sunday theme going on. You might think that our theme is my life verse. No, that is our sermon series. We are exploring the verses that have leapt off the page and impacted our ABCers in an ongoing and life-sustaining way. And as, as Elton mentioned, we have asked you to turn in your life verse, and we've been exploring them together, and they have brought all of us great uh, amount of goodness but the sub theme seems to be that the person whose life verse pastor Connie is preaching on shall not be in attendance that day it has been so prevalent I had to make a slide and make it official happened several times to me already and it's happening again and I don't believe it has once happened to Pastor George so today look around who are you missing Warren Horton of course Warren and Carla are in the philippines at the moment they'll be back next week but all i'm going to share with you a little later why warren says psalm 27 verses 13 and 14 are so important to him but that's at the end of the psalm we're going to start at the beginning with verse 1 psalm 27 verse 1. the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear What a strong, triumphant starting point. Light is used in the Bible, it's a natural figure for everything that is positive, from truth and goodness to joy and vitality. And salvation is the Hebrew word yesha. What does that sound like? Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus, takes his name from that Hebrew word. It means savior, salvation. And although God is called light elsewhere in the Old Testament, this is the only place where he is called my light, my salvation. And so you see, God is not just the light of the world, but God is personally light to me. And God does not need to triage his salvation. God is not far away from me, busy saving other people who are in worse shape than me, and then he'll get to me eventually. No, God is actively saving me. Every day, and I don't know about you, but I need this persistent and continued saving. I was waiting for my husband to say an amen on oh, no. that He has failed. Robert needs continual, everyday saving. Amen. amen. Good. All right. A rabbi said about this verse, the Lord is my light at night when there is no illumination and the soul is frightened. Do you ever have those restless and sleepless nights and even dangerous night hours when your brain isn't working quite right and you can't pull yourself out of the stew that you are in? When I need to find him in the dark, the Lord is my light. And the rabbi said, The Lord is my salvation during the day. My light is connected to things pertaining to the soul, and my salvation connects is connected to things pertaining to the body. Isn't that an intriguing thought on that verse? Immediately from the very first words of this poem, our heart starts to swell in thankfulness and praise. Uh, Verse 1 continues, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If the Lord is my stronghold, and this word means a, a fortified, defensive, place. This word means strength. So if the Lord is my stronghold, no one can get at me without having to first go through the Lord. Twice we've been asked, whom shall I fear of? Whom shall I be afraid? And the answer is? Very good. Now I know that some of you get scared. And some of you might be scared right now over something, and I know that I get scared because there are plenty of big, hairy trials coming at us. But when we are holding on to God, whom shall we fear? No one and nothing. So this morning, let's hold on to that truth that that God is my light. You say it for yourself, You put the my in there, because when I say my, I mean Connie Devon's light. I'm not going to mean you, so you have to say it for yourself. Ready? God is my light. God is my salvation. God is my stronghold. And I don't know if you realize how much power and peace we have when we proclaim this truth. God is my goodness, my joy, my illumination when I'm in the dark. God is my deliverer, my rescuer, my savior. God is my defense and my security. God holds me safe in his hand. And we say that now in this sanctuary where we have the freedom to worship God. And we say that now in this bright light of this beautiful summer day. And we proclaim this truth when we are in darkness and under threat because I want you to know that those words, those thrilling words in verse one that we just read, of strong faith came out of the poet when he was in trouble, big trouble. And verse two tells us why. When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. It doesn't really show up in the English, but the imagery of this phrase is a wild pack of animals hunting. And they, the they is very emphatic, and they, those enemies that are hunting me, without me having to live a finger on my own behalf, God causes them to stumble and fall. Verse 3, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. A lot of people think that King David penned these words when he had to run, flee abruptly from a coup that his son Absalom was attempting to take over the kingdom. King David had faced a lot of warring enemies in his lifetime, like people coming at him with spears and swords and arrows. Nowadays, we take these words more figuratively, but to have a warrior fight, I mean, right, about his confidence in God when he was being hunted and when his life was literally in danger, well, that, that makes these words all the stronger. Verse 4, one thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The house of the Lord is where the presence of God is a tabernacle in the times of David. And what stands out in these verses is just the laser focus, the singular purpose, the longing for God's presence that we see in the poetry of these words. Maybe David, who as king, by this time had enjoyed the very best of foods, the very best of accommodations, the very best of entertainment, and maybe he knew by now that those pleasures cannot satisfy us deeply enough that the things of this world don't mean much when trouble comes. And trouble has a way of shaking you awake, of clarifying what is really important and what used to be important to us crumbles away. Whereas prioritizing relationship with God, preoccupying oneself with God's person and God's will, it changes our center core from fear to faith. Changes our center core from fear to faith. I heard someone say once that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but fear. Is it Pastor George who said that? I'm wondering, because he wasn't around for me to ask, but I thought I heard it from him. What can quell our fear? What can grow our faith? Well, we go down a lot of unhelpful pathways, don't we? When we are afraid. We can take the path of denial, the path of self-medicating, the path of anger, and many others. But this warrior king who had to flee his own palace because his son was hunting him down, he tells us that from his experience, Seeking after God, inquiring after God, beholding God's beauty, focuses our thoughts on God who is light, God who is salvation, God who is our stronghold. The mighty, intimate, loving presence of God takes away fear. Verse 5, for he will hide me in in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Oh, the rejoicing, the bursting of joy, and the music that we experience when we are in the presence of God, when we accept his salvation, when we have been in his presence. We do not shout loud enough about the goodness of God here at ABC. It has to be like that. We need some Pentecostals up in here. They could teach us something. We need some black Baptist church clapping and rejoicing and amening. They could teach us something. Because God is a saving God. He is a stronghold in the face of danger. He is my light in the darkness. Praise, Praise his mighty name. I can't ever really praise them loud because then I start to cry and, you know, but God knows. Now, if the psalm ended here, it would be such a neat little envelope. It would be a box with a bow so beautifully wrapped, so beautifully presented. The bow is on it. There's praise. There's trouble. There's resolution. There's praise. And some of the psalms have, uh, quite a few have that kind of a sequence to them but life is not like that it's way more complicated and Warren's favorite verse is not in this portion of our psalm. what comes next is such an unexpected turn that many people who have studied this psalm have speculated that it's really two psalms not one and that they were just awkwardly stacked together into one so listen to verse 7. Now, verse 6 had just said, shouts of joy, sing and make melody to the Lord. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Well, what do you mean, hear me? Didn't you just shout with joy at God's salvation and answered prayer? Weren't you just soaking in the presence of, the God, of God and his sanctuary? Hear me sounds like a plea, and it kind of sounds like you have to say it because you think that God has not been hearing you too well. And sure enough, a lament follows in this song, a lament. And so you see why people think that it's two entirely different songs because now this dissonance chord strikes kind of in the middle of it. But I disagree. I know what happened between verse six and seven. Let me tell you what happened. Life happened is what happened, and our poet went to church on Sunday. Okay, I know it was the tabernacle on Saturday, but I'm just, you know, contextualizing it. He went to church on Sunday. He sang some mighty songs. He played his personal tambourine from the front pew. He uh, accompanied all of the music, his soul swelled with the praise team. He had to do a little bit of dancing up here. He got so carried away right up here in the front. The words of scripture touched his heart. Obviously, the preaching was powerful. Preaching was powerful. And on point, he was worshiping with his community, with the people that he had prayed for, people who prayed him through trouble. And Through trial, and the brothers and sisters encouraged him. They had an ice cream social after church. And he went home full of assurance and faith. And he went to sleep that night. He slept not like a baby who wakes up every two hours, but like a hibernating bear. He slept good that night. And then Monday comes. And he looks out his window. And doggone it, if that enemy army isn't still camped out in his front lawn, and they're putting their war paint on, they're flexing their muscles. And here comes verse 7. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry out loud. Be gracious to me and answer me. See, the furrows have come back into his brow. Fear starts to creep back in come my heart says seek his face your face lord do i seek see he remembers he remembers the sweet presence of god which drives out fear he tells himself what helped him before seeking god is the antidote do it again when you're in trouble but it's monday and he is not in church and he is crying out to god and god is not answering fast enough and is god even listening verse 9 do not hide your face from me do not turn your servant away in anger you who have been my help Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God, of my salvation. Okay? God is still the God of my salvation. Did you see that there? The poet brings to mind that in desperate times, he has called upon God and God has been his salvation. In the past, he brings to mind that God was my very present help in trouble, So he calls them my help. That's another new designation for God. Verse 10, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Oh, that's such a beautiful verse, all on its own. And I know people who have this verse as as their life verse. In this time of pain, in this feeling of abandonment, God is our heavenly father, our heavenly mother. God will never, ever abandon us. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. There's a different feel to this half of the psalm trouble is more present god is more silent the presence of god is not easily felt the poet king still knows god's power and love but he's just not feeling it in the moment sometimes i wonder why god gives us feelings they're so up and down depending on our circumstances which are also up and down. And the psalmist's circumstances changed from verse seven to verse eight, or his feelings did. But I'll tell you what didn't change, God did not change. God does not change when your circumstances change. From Sunday to Monday and then all the way through to Sunday again, God is still my salvation if I have submitted myself to him, God is still my light. When I have disciplined myself to walk in his ways, God is still for me. God is still my help in time of trouble. God is still my stronghold, my security, my safety. God has not changed. And God's unchanging nature is what makes Warren's life verses pop with energy and faith so now we come to them now listen very carefully this is this is what Warren really has depended on in his life verse 13 I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage wait for the Lord So you caught that land of the living, didn't you? Warren says, and I quote him, becoming a Christian always seems to be focused on heaven and eventual full redemption. This verse is significant to me because it shows God also working in my current life, the land of the living. So I'm not on my own until resurrection. Maybe I'm impatient, Warren says. Well, aren't we all? We want to see God's goodness right now. He says, I also see the goodness of the, of the Lord as growth and change in me. It would be easy to interpret these verses as material blessings, but that isn't what I was thinking when I first read the verse. I was feeling very inadequate spiritually and often still do. I don't feel I have the skills to make or gifts to make a difference. This verse tells me that God is still at work on me, And I don't have to wait to heaven to see it. Now, sometimes we do have to wait. Verse 14 says, wait on the Lord twice because it's hard for us to do. And maybe that's why be strong is sandwiched between the two weights. Wait, be strong. And the other thing that's sandwiched in there is let your heart take courage between the two weights because it takes both courage and strength to wait on the Lord. So we do have to wait for the Lord, but we don't have to wait till heaven. God has plenty enough goodness to pour over us all along the way. Every day, God gives us his goodness. If we would only open our eyes to see. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is a statement of faith. And it can only come out of a sustaining relationship with God, a relationship which holds steady through the ups and downs. If we were driven by our circumstances or if we're driven by our feelings, we would be tempted to let go of the only real security we can have in life which is the Lord's presence, our God of love. So don't you want to be able to call God my light? Then come to him right now. Don't you want to call Jesus my salvation? Then come to him. He who is sustainer, protector, redeemer, forgiver of our sins, he who is helper and healer, let us open our hearts to the God who will carry us through. So let's say it out loud. If you mean it, say these words out loud. The Lord is my light, the Lord is my light. and my salvation. And my salvation. Whom, shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? You know, there's plenty of things to fear out there disease and just injustice unemployment financial insecurity war big ugly threatening things out there so today you who have said the Lord is my light you who have said the Lord is my salvation whom shall you fear no one nothing no one and nothing yes you will have to wait on the Lord the Bible says that so often it's just a guarantee that we will have to wait on the Lord. But we don't have to wait till heaven. God will sprinkle some goodness on you tomorrow. Yes, even on a Monday, because that's the kind of God he is. God is good, even, even on a Monday. All the time. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you know our impatience. You know we don't like to wait on you. In retrospect, we can sometimes sometimes see what you have been teaching us. We can see that our faith grows stronger even when we feel it to be less, even when we're holding on by our fingertips that you are strengthening our faith. We can see you being our salvation, our light, our stronghold, God. But in the moment, God, that's where we need your help. So, Lord, for all those who are waiting now on you, I pray that they would see your goodness and that they would respond in praise and show it out in their lives, call it out on social media, You are doing good things for us today and tomorrow. And I just pray, God, that we would have the eyes to see and the strength to hold on. In Jesus' name, amen.